Support the Dope Radio was designed to give a platform to the best, most talented, and dopest music creators, enhancers, and magic makers to tell their own stories in their own words. The guests on the show are well-documented as integral parts of the success of your favorite artists and songs. I'm your host, Carla D. Brown, and I'm pulling back the curtain to bring them center stage under their very own spotlight. Let's go. Tune in to support the Dope Radio. I'm your host, uh, your girl CB. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have today, as we like to say, one of them ones. Okay, mm-hmm. and I know I said it a lot because I got a lot of people on here that that you know that are really dope, really talented. We just had Eric Dawkins on the show. He's definitely one of those ones. Um, but today we also have another one of them ones. Okay, he's a producer. He's a songwriter. He's a multi-instrumentalist. Might I say one of those instruments is an upright bass. Okay, so let's let's start there. Uh, (laughs) And he's uh, a musical director. Should I say an Emmy Award winning musical director? Throw that in there. Uh, His credits include artists such as Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, Jay-Z, Rihanna, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Maroon 5, Jill Scott, Drake, and so many more. So without further ado, please welcome... Allow me to introduce none other than Adam Blackstone. Oh, you're welcome. I do what I can, you know. Try to get a pop in. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. You know, I was uh I really want when I when I was preparing the guest list for the season and I was thinking about who I wanted on the show and um you came to my mind because you, you've been hot right now, Adam. You, you know what you've been working on. <laughs> and and um, I remember saying to my friend Tiffany, um, Tiffany Freeman, who's also with AMG. Um, y'all know her now, at least because she was on my show a few few episodes back, too. And I was like, I really want Adam on the show. But I don't think Adam knows me from Adam. Wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't wonder if he doesn't want to do it. I don't know. She's like, just ask him. Yeah. That's, so that's what I did. I just asked him. So shout out to Tiffany <laughs> for putting in the, the good encouragement. Free. Yeah, Tiffany free. Um, so yeah, so thank you for being here. Welcome to Support the Dope Radio. So glad to have you. Um, I told you before, I've been a fan for some time. Um, I wanted you on the show because I feel like a lot of people are um, coming to know who you are um, that didn't before based off of like the Rihanna halftime show. You know, people are starting to ask questions like, who did that? You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, when, when they find out the name, they're like, oh, I don't know who that is. I'm like, you don't know who Adam Blackstone is? Come on. Come on, son. So I mean, you know, they don't have to. Uh, I think one of the things that's <laughs> super incredible about what I do is that I've been behind the scenes for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, social media has really taken musical directors 
to a little bit more of the forefront and and yeah. BT footage and things like that. Uh, being people like to be a part of the process and and what I have done in the last twenty years is, you know, be at the you know genesis of the processes. You know what mm -hmm. I mean. So um, it's been really cool to kind of gain a little bit of a notoriety for you know stirring up a, a creative idea and making it kind of come to fruition. So I'm excited. Yeah. Even had some your foot on some necks for some time. Uh, I'll just say it. I know you won't say it. I'll say it. <laughs> uh, there's so much I want to talk about. Um, I guess the best start is always to start at the beginning. So tell us where you were born, where you grew up, um, kind of your yeah, early. I, uh, no doubt. I was born in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. My family actually, a lot of my family still resides there my uncle was just the mayor of trenton as well um yeah. very you know you know inner city jersey town you know urban for sure but then my parents at four years old we moved to willingboro new jersey which was uh on the outskirts of trenton maybe about 40 minutes 30 40 minutes and uh a booming um affluent black suburb and when you moved to willingboro at that time uh you feel like you made it you know what i'm saying my parents was like yo we got a, we got a single standing house you know three bedroom like you know what i mean like it was like we we in here and, and even life yeah, even growing up in willingboro you know i had my own lawn and grass and my dad took pride in cutting the grass and putting up a fence and things like that. And so, you know, I really had a very uplifting adolescence because black people told me all my life that we were great and we were the best. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. And it's so funny. It's like my wife tells me now, like, yeah, you you lived in a in a in a false box, like you know what I'm saying. Because when I got out into the world, that's yeah. not what society had had for me. But Absolutely. I'm so thankful that when I got out into the world, I was just like, yo, my my parents told me I'm the best. My teachers told me I'm great. My black friends told me I'm great. I see their parents as doctors, lawyers, teachers, musicians, like. I, that's that was the world that I grew up in, so I really feel like you know your surroundings have a lot to do with your mentality, mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up, and and so that's kind of where I was. It was like we were a little bit of the of the of the New Jersey Huxtables, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and that helped me, if I can be honest. I, I'm not an inner city, I'm not an inner city dude. I'm not no 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 hood guy or nothing like that. But uh, you know. I, I think that the affirmations that I received growing up from our town, from seeing excellence all around me, from me not being the best, me looking down the street and seeing somebody play ball better than me, or seeing my one of my, my one of my bandmates play better than me, and you know see somebody sing better than me, like that inspired me. You know what I mean? We all like pushed each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Willingboro uh was definitely a little even like a little baby motown we had people like uh ryan toby and mm -hmm. rob harlow from city high we had Wanye morris from boys to men 
Um, we had Ty Tribbett, Thaddeus Tribbett, you know, like all going through our school, Lamont Sanders. Like, it was so many just talented, talented. Derek Hodge, um, just so many talented people that uh, I was able to call my peers, but also look up to, you know, like some of my favorite musicians are still like my homies, you know what I'm saying? And I know tons and tons of the the cats, but I'm like, I remember this moment, Derek Hodge changed my life. He's my favorite. Like, I remember this moment hearing, um, you know, uh, one of the gospel choirs in my school, like, you know what I mean? Like changed my life. So, um, that's kind of how I grew up. I picked up the bass early, um, second, third grade. Um, and we, like, again, we, uh, took pride in what we did in Willowboro, New Jersey. And that, that, uh, that afforded me a full scholarship to University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And in 2000, when I graduated high school, I moved to Philly and I've pretty much been there ever since. And and what was moving to Philly like? Because you describe, you just named all the people that came out of your hometown, but moving yeah. to Philly, somewhere like Philly, and all and and the the mixing pot that Philly is, and all the artists that came out of Philly. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I, I mean, moving to Philly, the the first my first year, I did not have a sensibility of the the heritage, the legacy, the lineage of what was happening. Just to be completely mm-hmm. honest, I was okay. I was seventeen year old kid. Mm-hmm. Definitely they think I knew Patty LaBelle. Okay. <laughs> but but I also came during the boom of of, of Neo Soul. Right. So it's like the Bilal's, the Jill Scott's, the Music Soul Childs, the Indie Irees, the you know, Badu's, like they were at the time just getting on the map too. So it was like mm-hmm. we were all you know, we looked at them like real different for sure. Vivian Green. Mm-hmm. Fat nasties, the roots, like we looked at them different because they were making noise, but it was also like I was just getting to the town as well. So, right. you know, I was saying, How can I get on? And then I remember uh walking into the five spot, the Black Lily, and I played at this open mic for about a year, um, every Tuesday night and, and Quest Love walked in and it kind of just changed my trajectory of my life for sure. Shout out to Quest. Um yeah. So when you were when you were a kid growing up and and you picked up the bass and you know life is great you're in this great affluent you know suburb and did you ever think that at some point you would be like music directing for the Oscars or the Grammys? Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I don't think I even knew what a musical director was. It's so funny. My dad is a musician and mm-hmm. one man band type of feel today we would call him like a wedding band singer or whatever but like you know he was always curating his own set list and keeping the party going at a at a banquet or a bar mitzvah or birthday party whatever and it's like as i look back he was the first musical director that i saw which it was like he he wanted to see the reaction of people and that's still kind of how i curate my sets now um i do it to a different scale but it's very very similar if i think about it and so when I get the calls for the Oscars or the Grammys or VMAs or BET Awards and stuff like that, it really is something that I just has just been ingrained in me. Um, yeah. The scope of work for sure changes mm-hmm. uh, based off of what the gig is, but I'm still taking the same approach is to make it feel good, is to make it, you know, be t- be seamless and, um, 
you know, tell the story that whatever's going on in the show. So oh, did, not know, did not know that that was possible then. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that, you know, again, growing up how I did, the limits were endless, you know, right. like nobody, nobody put me in a box. I think my dad being a musician allowed my parents to help me with entrepreneurship early. Because, you know, if I, to be honest, the generation before us is like, get a job, get a house, get married, have some kids, you, you done. Right. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And, and that was not what was for my life. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I worked a couple of regular jobs, but I always was like, this is not for me. I'm a boss. You know what I'm Clearly. saying? Clearly. <laughs> I'm a leader. Um, and so, you know, I was encouraged to be that and it started at home. Yeah. So how how did you end up falling into um, uh, being the MD for award shows? Like who? what was the what was the first one and how did that happen? Yeah, the first one was the NAACP Image Awards. I think mm -hmm. that um, that was a show that did not have a lot of music. And so yeah. let's say it was two songs in there. I think the producer called me like, hey. I'm doing two songs, one with Neo, one with Jennifer Hudson. Like, I want you to be the house band. But then it turned into, like, me playing bumpers on and off and stuff like that. The real first big, big task for me was the BET Awards 2011-ish. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was super on fire. I think I had about six or seven or eight acts on the show. Mm -hmm. So, meaning, like, I was getting paid eight different times by wow. BET, you know, oh, wow. the yeah. following year, the producer, Jesse Collins was just like, yo, just let me have you do the whole show yeah. <laughs> and, and we could take it from there. And I think they were in transition as well. Mm -hmm. um, again, it was a lot of R&B happening and, and, and I was, uh, I'm still a self-proclaimed R&B head. And so um, that was the first show, 2011, 2012, um, that I was the musical director for the full entire show. And it's so interesting because you never know who you're aligning yourself with at times, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Jeff Collins, who called me to do BET, then ended up being who he is today, JCE Entertainment. But the, the next years after that, he did the Grammys. He called me. Then he did the Oscars and he called me. Then he did the Tonys. Then he did, you know what I'm saying? Then it's like all of these things, once you have a good and you, you work well with somebody and you give your best, you never know who that person is going to end up being. Now we're looking at him. He's done the Super Bowl now for the past four years and he's he's called me. You know what I mean? So um, aligning myself uh, with him, but also representing myself by doing great, great work, no matter who was calling me, has always been a a, a, a very big deal to me. Right. And that's how you keep going. That's how for you sure. keep going. Your last gig is your audition for the next one. Always. I don't care what you've done. If you mess up one time, people remember that, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the people listening that aren't quite familiar with um, the role of a music director, um, and they might know a little bit that the season season premiere guest was Sean Hinton, who is now the music director for uh, Mary J. Blige, MD for MJB. Um, so he, he talked a little bit about um, what he feels like his role is. How would you describe the role of a musical director? Yeah, I think it varies on the artist and the show. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm responsible for all things live music oriented, but also depending on if it's a pop show, if I'm doing Justin Timberlake, I'm responsible for lighting cues. 
I'm responsible for time code with the video. I'm responsible to go to choreography rehearsal with 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 you know some of with Janet Jackson or whatever, and and I'm responsible for knowing the lyrics to a Nicki Minaj song so that I can do the edits and have a clean edit. I'm responsible for um, you know being being present at times when the producer and the artist talk just so that they can have a proper dialogue about what they need creatively. So a lot of things happen for me off of the stage a lot because of the type of show that it is. When you watch a show, it's a huge production. We're making television. Um, yeah. We're not just putting on a concert. You understand what I'm saying? So even when I do something like halftime for Rihanna, uh, I have to make sure that it aligns with what the NFL has been promised as well. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it, it carries a weight to make sure that all parties are um, happy. My artist is happy first and foremost, but at the same time to develop long-standing relationships, you want the corporations and the television networks to also be happy as well. Got it. Okay. Um, what do you feel are, for you personally, what do you feel like the pros and the cons or I don't say cons, but the challenges. What are the what are the pros and what are the challenges of the role? Yeah, of the job. Yeah, a lot of challenges. Uh, people get in <laughs> their feelings. Uh, sometimes, you know, you 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 know, oh, there's so many. But I'll I'll you know, I've had to separate work and friendship at times. Most times, at times, most times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't always work with some of my great great friends um for several different reasons oh not just musical reasons sometimes but also just to make sure that we keep it cool you know what i mean mm -hmm. like when you go to a job it's a job you know what right. i'm saying and, I, and i'm definitely a different friend i'm a different person i'm a different i have different responsibilities at my job mm -hmm. um some of the other challenges are are me uh sometimes caring more than who hired me at times, you know what I'm saying? Like I mm -hmm. want this for them so bad. I want them to succeed so bad. And, um, you know, in my latter years, that hasn't really, really been the case too much because like I've been able to pick and choose where I'm going, and thankfully, and they all care and they all want to be the best. But like early on, it was like, yo, like we need to stay at rehearsal. We need to do vocal rehearsal. We need to make sure these lyrics are cool. I need to make sure these chords are written correctly on this chart. I need to make sure, you know what I mean? So it, it, it presented challenges when people were not as serious as me. Um, and so, you know, I've surrounded myself with a team of like-minded people now. <laughs> Um, and to be completely honest, I, I feel great knowing that I'm never the smartest in the room when it comes to my crew, um, because a great leader is also a great follower and I'm always listening and learning. Um, uh, I do make the final decision, but I, I like to have everybody's input because every idea that I come up with personally is not always the right thing to do. So mm -hmm. you know, I trust the people around me enough to tell me, nah, nah, nah you know, hold it, hold me accountable and say, like, I think we should go like this, or this is the right quarter. That's a B, not a B flat. You know what I mean? So, you know, we hold each other up. I love the fact that my team holds me up. Yeah. <laughs> they know I'm doing 8,000 other things. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. So basic black entertainment. 
where in the timeline yes. was was that created um and what was the the vision for it yeah that was a brainchild of me and my wife kaisha blackstone uh-huh. at, at a time between 2008 and 2011 we had had about 250 musicians just from my recommendation like out on the road mm-hmm. um i wasn't getting any money from them i was literally just putting these bands together and recommending this person and recommending that person and you know at a point um going through the record labels as well because they had just wanted to just talk to me at a certain time they were like yo you put it together you got it we'll pay you you pay them whatever whatever but my my wife was the one that really was saying hey we should you know not just monopolize, but we should also have a structure in place uh, as to how we are servicing these artists and these record labels and these television shows. And, you mm-hmm. know, we came up with Basic Black Entertainment, which is now fully functionally staffed, music staffing company. Um, it's spawned into Basic Black Records, which mm-hmm. myself, and we put out a couple albums, Lauren to Lease, my album, um it's it's turned into uh very much a figurehead of a standard in music you know what i mean it's turned into a sound yeah it's turned into uh it's a, it, yeah it's, <laughs> it's turned into a real thing so um i credit my wife for pulling the vision together and like fully executing it. Uh, she is the CFO. She makes sure everything under BBE runs super smoothly. And I, I couldn't do it without her, you know, like she allows BBE and she allows me to stay creative and go get the gigs and, and work. And she handles um, so many other hats, you know, not just the finances, but just like logistics and even staffing um so yeah it's a great team that we got going on with me and her and and we continue to try to change the world you know one note at a time it's dope shout out to to the wife you know all the wives out there that support you know the the dream yes it it means a lot it means a Mm -hmm. lot like i don't know you know um how in depth the dream would have gone without her her execution so i'm thankful so we thank her too. <laughs> I came to know who you were through your award shows. I think that was how I first discovered who Adam Blackstone was. And I would always hear BBE, you know, just I was like, who is this? So I, I like to know kind of like the moving parts behind things. You know, um, I was one of the kids like to read the album liners, you know, to see who the, the songwriters and the producers were. Um, so that my first introduction, I think, before I, I even understood anything else you were doing um, was the award shows and, you know, um, and BBE. So I definitely wanted to bring, yeah. bring that up. Had, and had, for pe- people like looking the name up, uh, when we say basic black, it's heavy on the bass. B-A-S-S. I see. Heavy on the bass. Heavy on the bass, <laughs> for sure. Um, so what do I want to talk about? I think that we've been talking about your career and how you've been doing this for about 20 years, but I, I, what I want people to know is Adam's just 40. (gasps) So he's been doing, he's been very operating at a very high level for half of his life at this point. (laughs) So, um, definitely not new to this. Um, Let's talk about how you kind of first your first big gig back in 2003. 
and um, which for those who don't know is the Fade to Black tour um, with Jay-Z. Um, how, did that, how does something like that happen? Um, where'd you, how'd you get the call? You know, um, where were you in life? You know, what were you doing? So Jay-Z <laughs> had did MTV Unplugged with The Roots. Yeah. And remember I Fire. said, yeah, I moved to Philadelphia and mm-hmm. became a baby honorary Root. Um, did not play on Jay-Z's Unplugged, but when he decided that he was going to retire. Right. <laughs> Air quotes. And do Fade to Black. He wanted a live band. He asked Amir to be the musical director, Questlove. Mm-hmm. Amir rounded up some of Philly's most amazing musicians, and we called ourselves the Illadelphonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's how that happened. You know, Amir had just worked with Jay uh, for Unplugged, and we then went to New York, and we had a, our first rehearsal up there. It was, it was a star-studded event, Just Blaze, Swiss Beats, a young Beyonce, Mary... Uh, Dame Dash, you know, Memphis Bleed, like Rockefeller was in full strength there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was really, really incredible. And that's how that happened. That was my first big gig. Did not know how big of a spectacle it was. It's something about, um, you know, I think I learned this from Quest as well, just like, you know, treating every gig like it's your last. So, like, even when he walked in and saw me playing at the open mic, man, I, I thought I was at Madison Square Garden. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So when I got the call to actually do Madison Square Garden, uh, I was prepared and I was ready. I did my homework. He told me what we were doing. I always like to lend a creative helping hand. So I let him know from day one and from jump one, anything he needed me to do, I was available for. And, you know, just showed my my um, eagerness and willingness to learn and want to be a part. And so that's what happened. And from there, you know, I like to tell this story. It's really crazy. It's like 2003 was like, you know, one of the most in influential years of my life because I did fade to black. I met this young kid during fade to black with a pink polo shirt on. And from the shy, he was like, yo, I like what you're doing with Jay, you know, come mm-hmm. work with me. And it was Kanye West mm-hmm. And from working with Kanye. You know, I met this girl from Barbados and she was opening for Kanye. And, you know, she was like, I like what you're doing with Ye. Come work with me if you get a chance. And it was Rihanna. And from Rihanna, I met this kid from Toronto and he was rapping and singing. He's like, I love what you're doing with Ray. You know, when you get, if you get a chance, come work with me. It was Drake. You know what I mean? So like, Mm -hmm. that just goes to show how one gig can spawn lifelong relationships and life changing trajectory. And yeah. And, uh, and in your career, and it did for me. You know what I'm saying? It really, really did. And so I'm so thankful for that gig, changing my life, giving me relationships, um, you know, that I still currently, you know, hold on to to this day. Yeah. So really, like, your career has kind of just been from one to the next based off on what you last did. You know, like you said, like you... You really haven't had to go out there and like sell yourself or, no. you know, no. apply, you know, um, for things to try to prove yourself to people because your work has always done that for you. Um, 
I mean, talk about kicking the door in, you know, <laughs> into your entry level position <laughs> with uh, face uh-huh. black. <laughs> That's one way to kick the door in. Um, do you do you ever feel like I'm in like with the cool kids? It's almost kind of like this inner circle um, of artists that have provided opportunities one after another based on that chain of, you know, people that that you've had the chance to work with that a lot of people we'll never get the chance to work with. Um, well, I, I, hope I hope that's not the case. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking the door down for the opportunities to come from, for Probably. a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like I'm with the cool kids sometimes, but I also feel like I'm at work a lot of times too. You know, yeah. it's, my mama gets on me heavy. I can't believe you're on TV right now. I had no idea that you were doing da 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 I'm like, mom, I, you know, if I was working at Target and Walmart, I wouldn't necessarily call you and say, I'm at work right now, Ma. You know what I mean? <laughs> she goes mm-hmm. in for teaching gigs. She don't necessarily hit me. So I do look at it as that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm super blessed uh, to do what I do. And I do not take that for granted at all, for sure. Yeah. Well, how do you handle moments where you are, because you're basically carrying out a vision for the artists that you're working with um, or, you know, the ward show or whoever it is that has, has called upon your services. Um, Have you ever had a moment where someone says, this is what I want to do. And they, they lay out the plan for you and you've had to say to them, that's great. I hear you. I see what you're trying to do, but that's not how this works. (laughs) Or that's not going to work or it's not going to work how you want it to work. Um, how do you deal with situations like that? No? If I can be, nah, because what I'm hired to do is to bring uh-huh. the artist's job to fruition and execute it. Um, so you're just going to do I, it. You're going to find a way to make it work. I'm going to find a way to make it work. And I think that's okay. why I've been working so 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 hard and it's so long in this industry. Because I, you know, I, I rarely tell who I'm hired by no. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't say no, actually. I, there may be a way I spin it to say, hey, what's another idea that we can do to possibly get that same feeling? But I'm not saying no because, you know, they've gotten this far because of their IQ and their vision most of the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Musically, anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, 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 I'm allowing them to go through their process you know, and have me basically be the glorified GPS or the referee to kind of bring them to the finish line musically. Um, so, you know, I like I, I like executing what people have brought to me. Uh, I like saying, man, I would do it like this, but if we try if we try your way and it works, but we can go with that. You know what I'm saying? Like that happens mm-hmm. a lot of times and we just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. But but I, in, in, in general... I'm definitely one to let the artist, you know, catch a vibe and okay. try to just execute it, you know? Yeah. Um, so for all of the different avenues you're able to take because of um, your own knowledge and experience, uh, what are you listening to? Like, where where do your musical influences come from? Or when it's just you and you want to sit down and you want to, enjoy the moment or entertain yourself what are your go-tos that is that is a really good question carla um there's been times where i haven't been able to 
um, listen to what I want to listen to, but because I'm working on my own music, yeah, uh, I listen to my own music a lot. I listen to my mixes. I listen to the formatting. And then also, you know, if I can be completely honest, because I'm in, I'm gigging a lot, I'm mm -hmm. listening to what I need to be learning. Um, now, that doesn't mean I don't have some go-tos. <laughs> you know, Stevie, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Alan Menken recently because I've been doing this Broadway thing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, Brandy is just so incredible to me. Um, Erica Campbell and Mary Mary always get me through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been on this Diddy Love album real crazy because I'm an R&B guy. How do you, uh, are you, do, you, do you love it? Do you love the Love album? I, 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 I like love a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I try to stay up with stuff like that, but, you know, I listen to a lot of jazz. I've been listening to a lot of Sinatra. Um, you know, getting back into my JT bag for what mm -hmm. might be up and coming with him. And so, you know, just like I'm I'm actually, you know, inspired by the people that I've been finally able to work with. So um, it's really cool. That's dope. Um, you just mentioned Justin. Um, so let's talk about 2020 experience. Yeah. Um, because that was, a, I would, I wasn't able to go see the show, but I did see it. Um, I think it must have been on Netflix or something. I watched the whole show and it kind of like took me like to, it, it was, it was almost a nostalgic thing, um, yeah. but it was such a, um, I was just all around impressed. It was such a good show. Like I, I, it had been a long time since I felt like I saw something that from start to finish was, I was entertained the entire time. Um, what was your role in 2020? Um, you know, what was it like working on it? Who, where did the influences come from or whose ideas, you know, were behind it? Um, was it just you and Justin? Was anyone else involved in it? Just what was the background on that? I remember 2012, 13, going to see Justin in his hotel around Christmas time. Played me the album. I was like, whoa, you know, and those who know me, I'm like a, I'm a definite huge um jazz head <laughs> you know what I mean? so for me to hear his infused um jazziness with the hip-hop you know i think he played suit and tie first with you know the horn sample and stuff like that it was really incredible so he had the vision to get this big band together and I was like, yo, what if we combined like what we see as a jazz big band, but with with the with the urban R&B flair underneath it? He was like, yo, that sounds crazy. And so we, we did a couple things and started taking some recommendations and some some auditions. Put that together. We then went on a tour called Legends of the Summer, which was him and Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. So we in that moment like what songs worked and what songs didn't um and when we were able to put 2020 together uh i think we realized that we had stumbled upon a gym into which like his songs from that album also performed live very very well yeah and, and we made it um 
we definitely wanted to um, bring the experience, no pun intended, but make the live experience just as great or greater mm-hmm. than the album experience. And so we talked about, you know, movement. We talked about staging a lot. We talked about the look of it with us wearing all time for um, and then when it came to the music, it was kind of like, you know, let's not, let's not, some of the songs you don't need to venture away from too much, but some of the songs that are older, we almost need to bring up to the 2020 experience vibe, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was tasked to do with like the future sex love songs and sexy back and yeah. Uh, um, end of time and songs like that that we kind of brought up to date and it it was it was hard to do but once we locked in boy we was we were locked. <laughs> How do you go about selecting um, musicians, you know, for a world tour? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the horn section, specifically with Justin, the Regiment Horns, mm-hmm. such incredible guys, and Dante Winslow. Um, they had worked with Justin on the album, The Regiment, so he had had them in mind already. I was working with Dante for years on Jill and just a bunch of things, uh, Puff with Dante and a bunch of other things. And I had, I had known our him not just being my close friend, but like we worked together so well with writing charts and arrangements and stuff. And when I listened to the music, I heard that that how big that brass sound was. So we all came together with those two. Um, as far as choosing rhythm section, for me, it's always about who can really hold the pocket down. You know what I'm saying? I have my go-to guys, um, but at the same time, because I trust those guys, if they're unavailable, I do listen to their recommendations or people that I trust recommendations. Um, this business is all about relationship. I hate to say, yeah. I hate to say it like that, but the time everybody can play, everybody can sing, everybody mm-hmm. can do something. But how are you on the bus? How is your character in rehearsal? How do you come prepared? How's your retention? All of those things have less to do with skill and more to do with mindset of being great. And so those are the people and the character uh, that I look for in hiring bands all over. Um, Is it any different when you're preparing, um, you know, for a world tour as opposed to like an award show? Um, Um, Sometimes, but I try to keep the same moniker because I have a standard Mm -hmm. and my standard doesn't shift. And like my standard for tour is the same standard that I give for a one-off award show. You know what I mean? So let's be humble. Let's be family oriented. You know, let's love on one another. Let's protect one another musically and off of the stage. You know what I'm saying? Let's come to work professional. Let's look the part. All of those things go for every gig I've ever done, you know? And so that's how I'm hiring for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing a show like like a 2020 experience show, and I know you mentioned before going to uh, choreography rehearsals, like with yeah. you know, like with Janet, or um, what is what is your role there when you get to rehearsal? Are there certain things you're looking for? Are there certain information you have to give them? Like how does what is your relationship with that? Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm always looking for. I'm. I'm sorry. They're always looking for music from me with my breaks and and stuff like that. And so a lot of the the creative process, you know, begins with their vision as far as what it what they see, 
mm-hmm. but then it ends with my vision as far as what they hear and so that they, they can program like things to that you know what i'm saying yeah. and uh, and all of those things end up working cohesively to get a show you know together so um that's when I when I'm arranging or my programmers or whatever, it's like we try to get it to lighting and choreo right away because they wanna they wanna hit like every break that I do or every pause that I do or sometimes a choreographer will tell me, yo, I need a four bar break in here. What can you what can you do? This is what we feeling because I wanna get the artist down through the staircase or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So it's uh-huh. like very collaborative and you know even me working on the Wiz right now and with, with Jaquel Knight, he's like, yo, I need another eight bars to travel across the stage. So it's like, yeah, what yeah. you did cool, but let's extend that. So those are the things that I'm doing at choreo rehearsal and, 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 you know, whether that's for tour or stage or, or show, it's like, you know, we're trying to make the best product possible together. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you would say is is important for someone who is aspiring to be a music director to begin to be comfortable with or learn how to do. Because I I know a ton of musicians uh, (laughs) and not all of them, I don't think, understand the significance of how dance can be involved um, in in a show or how important dance is in the show. Um, And, you know, I've because I come from both sides. I play instruments, but I danced also. And, you know, like, so I, I can easily understand the correlation, but I feel like some musicians either aren't willing to learn that part of it or just aren't interested in it. Yeah. Um, so you would say that that was pretty significant for you at the level you're uh, at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I, I think, it, you know, it goes back to also being a people person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like being receptive to other people's ideas, being, being, being receptive to, um, new concepts that can help further your own education, your own creative process. We all a team, nobody, you know, we want to see each other win when we're working for an artist or we're working on a television show. It's like, we don't want to see any department fail. So if I, if my music can, the choreography if the choreographer can inspire my music if the lighting and the video can inspire uh interlude that i need to do like let's do it you know what i mean let's work collaboratively i think that's what i would tell up and coming mds is like yo it's not about your self-gratification it's about Mm -hmm. what makes the artist continue to look good sound good be great be greater so that y'all can work for the next 10 years you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. I think sometimes young younger, I think sometimes music MDs in general, not even putting an age on it, you know, want to know that their idea was received and they did it and they programmed this and like I, I just ain't never been that dude to worry about if I did it, who I did it, who I'm hiring to do it because at the end of the day I'm gonna get blamed if it's right or wrong, right, <laughs> right. Uh, and so you know the goal is to just make it. Um, long standing enough that so that we can all work and provide opportunities for us all to work for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So you have to remove sometimes self out of it. And like I said, when you said, "Do I say no?" I'm like, "No, I don't say, I don't say no." I'm like, "This mm-hmm. is what I'm gonna do. Let me make it as great as possible for what I know the right parameters and to do that idea for." Yeah, 
Um, you read music. You read music. You write music. You can score music. Yeah. Um, how important has that been um, in your career? And huge. Yeah. Yeah, music. I'm an advocate for music education. I just did a Save the Music Foundation thing yesterday. Nice. Um, preaching music education literacy and and, and advocacy. Um, it puts me in rooms and spaces and studios and in front of people that, you know, I can't do just that people can't do just by ear. Mm-hmm. Um, going to see a movie with my son today that I was I was blessed to be on the score for Paw Patrol. It's like, oh. um, you know, they send me the music. They're like, yo, we need you to do this, score this, whatever, whatever. Uh, play bass on this. Um, uh, when I did Greatest Showman, it's like, hey, here's the sheet music, but we want you guys to infuse your soul and infuse your your own um, character, but within the bar lines of what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, when I do the shows now, the Grammys, Oscars, whatever, uh, a lot of my shows, I'm going to say 75% of my shows now, I am charting it all out so that we are all on the same page, just period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. I love the fact that, you know, reading music for me has allowed me to do in my older age, specifically more and more gigs simultaneously because I'm able to look at what's on the paper and fuse my own body and my own soul and character into my instrument. But then when that's done, forget about it. Uh You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people don't realize like, yeah, you have a great ear and you learn music fast, but like you're, that time that it takes to ingest that is other time that you could be spent being creative in other places. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's, it's, it's been about timing for me for sure. Uh, so yeah. reading music has, like I said, gotten me um, the biggest gigs that I've ever done, Oscars, movie scoring, you know, stuff like that, because I'm able to then speak, intelligently to first violin or speak intelligently to Barry Sachs by mm-hmm. reading the score and saying, Hey, let's make this, you know, this is a, a, a sharp, not a flat right here or whatever. So. Yeah. So what, what would your advice be to someone who is maybe, maybe not early in their career, but they've kind of gotten, um, you know, pretty knee deep into their career, but they've gotten as pretty much as far as they've gotten um, based off of just being able to um, play by ear. Uh, yeah, would, you, would you still encourage them at this point? It's never, it's never too late to expand. You know what I'm saying? Even playing by ear, we, you know, everybody wants to be on the next big gig or whatever like that. So, you know, let's not limit ourselves and put ourselves in a box. The next big gig for you might be Broadway. The yeah. next gig for you might be, the Oscars or something where you're sitting in the orchestra. So, you know, it's never too late, man. I, I, I think that music education plays an important role and even how we are able to survive daily. It's like, you know, we don't always want to listen to R&B, hip hop, rap. Sometimes if you want to throw some classical on and just relax and be calm, how awesome would it be to really understand what was going on, the counterpoint and the the key signature, the time signature, just so that your brain can even digest what's going on to make yourself feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. And that goes with any music, whether it's gospel, hip hop, whatever. It's like, yo, oh man, that chord just changed my whole perspective. What is that? You know what I'm saying? Music has the power to heal. I truly feel that. Uh It has the power to inspire, has the power to heal. It has the power to change the atmosphere. So 
you know, the more you can know about what you're hearing, uh, the better you are, I think, as a person. Hmm. So that, I guess that'll kind of lead me into um, legacy. Legacy. So, legacy. Uh, <laughs> but, which, uh, you're wearing a legacy hoodie today for the people that, that are listening can't see. <laughs> um, tell me what, uh, first of all, let me just tell you how much I appreciate legacy because um, I've listened to it, of course, um, numerous times, but Thank I you. played it all day at work yesterday oh. in preparation for this. And I'm, I'm going to get in the Adam Blackstone state of mind. Uh, <laughs> legacy um but it's one of those albums that you can play um on repeat you can play from top to bottom and just play straight through and you can play at work and not have people be like that is inappropriate what are you listening to <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i did play it all day but it's just a refreshing um departure from what i would hear if i was just going to get in the car and put on the radio you know um that type of thing so uh tell us a little bit about um, the vision for legacy what was your um, goal with it um, how did you go about um, selecting the artists that you work with um, yeah give me the blueprint yeah so legacy is adam's album by the way for, for those so listening that don't know <laughs> legacy real quick the legacy is my debut album which debuted last september yes um we were had been through a pandemic, you know, some time before that I was hating that I was seeing my friends, seeing some friends, seeing some family pass away um, from a myriad of diseases, COVID, pneumonia, you know, kidney. It was just a bad time. And um, we all have been through some things. We all have lost loved ones, unfortunately, or someone that we know. Um, what I didn't want to happen was going to these services and these memorials, seeing the impact that people and my friends had made on other people like myself, but what, mm -hmm. what did they have to pass on to their children, to their families, their own, the ownership of themselves. And so I buckled down during the summer of 2022, uh, about, about 45 to 60 days and like you know, really tapped into my roots as a, as a jazz guy and tapped into my roots as a gospel guy and tapped into my roots as a soul guy and hip hop and just put together, put, put together a body of work, um, that symbolized, uh, what music meant to me and what I did it for, you know what I'm saying? Which was my children, which was my wife, which was my family, which was, my, my parents, my friends to like really grasp something and have something of their own. Uh, because God forbid something happened to me and all you hear about is 2020 experience or all you hear about is Janet or all you hear about is Super Bowl halftimes. And all of those things, I'm super thankful to God that I've been able to do. But what do I have that my son can walk around sing and my daughter can walk around and be proud of um, that also has their name on it? Um, and so I buckled down and did Legacy, came out September. Since then, we have been Grammy-nominated, NAACP Awards winning, mm -hmm. Emmy Award winning. Uh, we've made Obama's top 30 list for my single, Round Midnight, which featured Jasmine Sullivan. Um, and then I've been able to spawn two more albums 
off of that process. And so I was about to ask you, which version of Legacy did you listen to? Because just two weeks ago, I put out the Legacy Experience, which was a comedy. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. I have a new album out. I have a new album out right now. Okay. um, Called The Legacy Experience. And basically, it's a culmination of my live shows. I took the greatest moments from all year and kind of put it as a live compilation. So it was really cool. Okay, put me on. I'm going to check that out soon as it's over. (laughs) It's right right there. It's right there. Yeah. So when you were were kind of putting the songs together, um, did you have in mind already who you want to work with or did that come after the songs had been, you know, produced and created? What was that process like? Yeah, I, um, I am thankful to say that the people all on my album are my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when That's I told, I, when I told them what I was trying to do because of what I had sewn into them over the years and, they were able to be like, yo, whatever you need, cool. And so I just, you know, I started making music, reached out to some people and just saw what what was going to happen. And by the end of the time, I had this body of work that was actually really, really killer. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had some ideas to, you know, doing this big band swing. I had some songs that had just meant so much to me. I had some artists that had meant so much to me and my career and me being a part of their legacy. Uh, Kurt Franklin, Mary Mary, Jill Scott, Queen Latifah, like I, I was able to reach out to them and them so right back into me with no hesitation. So uh, it was cool. It's cool. Yeah, Jazzy Jeff with uh, Brother Jazzy Jay. That's my mentor. <laughs> um, you know, the Baylor Project, who are friends, but icons to me as well. Um, and then I developed some new relationships, you know, with Simone Bozeman, uh, The Truth, um, uh, Kyrie Tyler, John Schofield, um, yeah, you know, it's been some great people on there. Melvin Jones, Mike Burton, Wilbur Williams, like Good Times Brass, um, mm-hmm. you know, of course Dante Winslow. Again, it's it's it was just a great, 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 great overall experience for me. Shout out to Mike Burton if you're listening, because you're on my list. I'm coming for you. That's my guy. <laughs> he already knows who I am, though. I wouldn't be this. I can ask Mike. <laughs> um, but I definitely wanted to ask you about um, Simone, and I'll be seeing you. Um, I came across it for the first time watching it on Instagram. Her performance yep. of it. Um, was I supposed to cry? Because. <laughs> I was crying like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> what was the story? Did you did you select that song for her? Did she select like how did that come? That was an interesting. That was an interesting how that happened. Um, unfortunately, we lost her husband, the great mm-hmm. great Bozeman, the great some um, years prior, mm-hmm. and um, she had been contacted by. Uh, stand up to cancer uh, to actually speak on his behalf and she said instead of talking I want to do a song and they then reached out to me and as soon as me and her met we we hit it right right off I I felt her pain I felt her love um, I felt her admiration for her husband and this was a song um, 
that we felt like demonstrated all of those emotions at one time. You know what I'm saying? She just asked me to arrange it and do my thing. So we had actually performed a version of this on Stand Up to Cancer. When I then was going for my album, I was like, yo, I think I had just also lost another pal of mine. And that was how I was feeling. I'll be seeing you again. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't mm-hmm. just a wife to a husband. That was a friend to a friend. That was a brother yeah. to a sister. That was a, a a daughter to a mother. Like it just the 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 premise could float all over. And so I asked her if we were to extend it and do a different version. Uh, would she be down to be on my album? And she gave me her blessing. So it was really, really cool. I was so thankful for that. That's dope. That was a really special moment. Um, definitely wanted to ask about that. So yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys, if you guys have not checked out Legacy um, or Legacy Experience, um, <laughs> go do that. Download it, stream it. Both of them. You know how Both I feel. Of Both of them. Both of them. <laughs> so let's see. We've talked about your background, we've talked about award shows, we've talked about Super Bowls. Um, all I was going to ask next um, before I let you go was Book of Hove. Um, is that, is that going to take too long? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Book of Hove. Please tell us a little bit about the Book of Hove because for those of us who have not got a chance to go see it, um, I imagine, I can just imagine that it was the great installation that it was. It was so great. Yes. You guys kind of got to get on it. So basically, yeah. the Book of Hove is... We're looking at the Book of Hove, though, for people that, that aren't seeing this. We, we're looking at it. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I have it, like, near me at all times, just in case. Really? Okay. I have a quote from Jay-Z up on my wall Greatness is a process. Uh, everybody knows how how Jay Z, what he means to me in my life, my musical life, but also my personal life. He inspires me. I'm thankful to, you know, I I ain't gonna go as far as saying like that's my friend. We be hanging and all that, but like, you know, I'll get a random text every once in a while from him, him checking up on me, mainly because we share the same birthday as well. I was going to say, I got the same birthday. I've gotten a birthday present from him several times, you know, and it's been cool. And him and his wife have been so um, supportive of me and my career over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the Brooklyn uh, Public Library to do this installation of his lifelong achievements to basically turn this library into a mural for this man while he's alive. While he's alive. I think is the most incredible, one of the most incredible things. They have everything in there from his early Grammys to some clothing to his baseline studio experience. Uh, It is is a literal timeline of the things that he's been through it also shows um some personal items that i think that you know he is the poster child and has been for a long time of um starting uh rough (laughs) and 
and making it into this business and this industry and kind of doing it your own way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For like sure. it's, so, it's so interesting that full circle here we are now, not specifically needing huge, huge labels and stuff like that for people to hear your music. I'm not saying labels don't make us be more successful, but you know, Jay really started out selling out the trunk of his car, believing in himself, mm-hmm. you know, making money his own way and f- using that money to then continue to further his dream of being a musician. And uh, that's what I employ all of us to do. You know what I'm saying? Like the humility that it takes to be like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to work for myself. But also, uh, if it doesn't work, what, you know, like what that means, I'm going to keep going. And so please, if you haven't been able to go, go see Book of Hove. We were at the um, the opening night and we played uh, his music for him uh, as he walked through. It was really touching. It was cool. It was it was very sentimental. Uh, felt good. It felt yeah. real good. So, um, I'm thankful for Jay. I'm thankful for Rock Nation. I'm thankful for everybody affiliated with that camp that has allowed me to flourish and continue to do my thing, uh, working with them and outside of them because you know um, they have their hands in a lot of things. So I'm super mm-hmm. and my fellow. Sag brother, I uh, wish him nothing but more success and more life. That's well. what's up. That's I'm I'm not even gonna hold you. I know you're on daddy duty, uh, yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for for sharing your your wisdom and your knowledge and your experience with us and our listeners that support the Dope Radio. Uh, if you no want to tell, I love me- your platform. I appreciate what you're doing for musicians and artists. So continue thank to you. do it. We're gonna support you. Thank you so much. I, I'm definitely trying to support, you know, really give people on here who's, you know, people may not know their names. You know, some people may know them, but a lot of people don't. Um, but they're the ones out here grinding and making things happen and being a part of that magic that we so like to see and hear. Um, so I uh, definitely appreciate you and everything you've done in your in your 20 years, half your life, uh, yeah. half of my life, because we're the same age. So half my life, um, <laughs> um, you've definitely been an integral part of the things that I've enjoyed and gotten a chance to witness um, in my life. So I appreciate you and and, and your um, your uh, contribution to, to music. Uh, where can our listeners uh, follow you? Yes, my um, Instagram is at Adam Blackstone, just like my name. My Twitter is also at Adam Blackstone, um, and it's all linked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, my company, Basic Black, is at Basic Black, B-A-S-S-I-C-B-L-A-C-K. And AdamBlackstone.com as well is where you can find upcoming gigs, music, um things going on with the with the all the many projects that we're working on and um yeah just really excited to you know hopefully put my continue to put my stamp in in this business and uh with the help of of all the fans and support and you know the listeners like we can keep it going so thank you so much absolutely are there are there any um words of encouragement or um yeah that you want to leave I'll leave by just saying, you know, continue to remain humble as young musicians and old musicians and us as people. Let's love on one another. Cherish every moment. You know, you never know when the last moment you see somebody. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, take pictures. <laughs> and that's yeah. something that I did. I, I really, really didn't do a lot, but like, you know, just loving one another, man. This this thing for music for me is I know it's a gift from God and uh, I don't want to take advantage of that. It can be taken from us at any time. Um, so remain uh, in a state of, of, of gratitude. Perfect. Thank you so yeah. much um, for no those that have to absolutely thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, we'll have another episode coming up soon. Actually, John Silver is up next. So we're going to touch a little bit on the on the dance, choreography, creative direction side. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, so we, we talked about you. I told him I was in it. I'm interviewing him later today, actually. So, oh, my God. Um, it's so incredible. So incredible. Yeah, so he's coming up next. So make sure you guys uh, continue to tune in, continue to support these people out here. Um, I'm your host, CB. Uh, make sure you're following us at Support the Dope on Instagram, Support the Dope Radio on Facebook, um, our website, supportthedoperadio.com. And um, yeah, any way you can, you can share it with a friend, tell a friend about it, you know, repost it or just word of mouth. I don't, I don't care. Just be out here. Just share, share the love. Um, so tune in next time. For those of you who didn't know, this is Adam Blackstone. Um, thank you so much, Adam. Um, thank you. That's it for us. So, CBS, put the big video. Yeah.